Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a feminist, but I don't want to get married. But I do want to be a figurine on a cake. And I don't know how I can make that happen without getting married. Okay. I feel I'm going to make it happen for you. Um, <laughs> do you have a birthday coming up? I do. I do in June. In June. I can't make June? my own figurine for me. Okay. I know. I'm so excited. That's, I'm enthusiastic about June. Okay. What date in June? Is it rude to ask that? No, it ain't. It's um, unfortunately it's the fourteenth of June. Now, okay, about six years ago, I'm very proud of that day. I was like same birthday as Steffi Graf. Uh, but now uh, Trump. I I mean, he always had that birthday, but I never knew when his <gasps> birthday was. But his birthday is the fourteenth of June. Oh shit! You've got Trump. Well, okay, like I the know. Queen has two birthdays. I believe Alison Spittle. You are our <laughs> Queen in many ways. You can have a second birthday, and I say that birthday should be the twenty second of June. Perfect. Perfect. We'll write that down. So 22nd of June, I feel like we'll be allowed to be together. Yes. So I'm going to get you a cake. Is it any kind of significant birthday? No, unfortunately. Okay. No. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It is. Do you know why it's significant? Because you're allowed to be in a room with other people. Yeah. And I'm also going to pretend it was the birthday from two years ago. Because okay. last birthday didn't count. We're in lockdown. No, absolutely. This birthday just about doesn't count. Okay. Doesn't, all right. Yeah. So I'm going to get a cake. And I'm going to put you on the top. Do you want anyone with you on the top? No, I'll just have myself. Put me in a nice dress. Okay. Put me in a nice dress and a packet of quavers. Okay. It's going to be, it's going to be you between Steffi Graf and Donald Trump. <laughs> cool. Don't move his birthday as well. Leave his birthday on the 14th of June. Fair, fair. 22nd is for me. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to make that happen. I'll put a note <laughs> in the diary. Um, I'm a feminist, but on a recent Guilty Feminist episode, I complained that a listener had tweeted that if they were going to get out the old laminated card and uh, dabble outside their marriage uh, <laughs> with a specifically, specifically with a Guilty Feminist crush, they wouldn't yeah. be able to decide whether to go for Grace Petrie or Tom Selinsky. <gasps> now, can you imagine how offended I was, not even to be in the mix <laughs> I mean, it's really upsetting. So I, I, I complained about this on the podcast saying that, you know, obviously I would be beginning legal proceedings. Mm -hmm. And the poor person who tweeted it was like, no, no, no. It's just that 
I'm very similar and, you know, they, that to, to uh, them and blah, blah, blah. Well, they, so, like, I just respect you too much to fantasize about you because I don't buy is, that, Deborah. This is my problem all the time. People <laughs> do respect me too much to fantasize about me and it's a real, it's a terrible problem. Um, that is literally what one of my friends said, that they respect you too much. And I was like, wow, that's hot. Respect <laughs> is so hot. And I was like, no, it is. No, it is. No, it is. But it also, yeah, you know, I'd love to see like a People magazine, like top 100 most respected people (laughs) least fancied because most respected I would definitely make that list and then so I am delighted to say that several people on Twitter Mm -hmm. have uh, popped their head above the parapet and um, come right out with it and said that I would be their top uh, celebrity guilty feminist crush the laminated card of friends and uh, they're not they I mean they didn't specifically say they weren't interested in Tom Selinsky and Grace Petrie but that's how I read it that's it. That is it. They they claim they claim crush monogamy to you and you alone. They basically said, yeah, that you're you're the one, and made me feel good with some good old fashioned objectification, which I really need in lockdown because I was starting to feel invisible. I'm not going to lie, Deborah. I won't lie. I'm missing that. Like one of my I'm a feminist buts, right? Was I'm a feminist, but I'm finding it hard to write I'm a feminist buts because I've been in the house so long and I don't get catcalled in the house, and then. <laughs> Then I was writing my jokes and I was t- my boyfriend passed by and he said, what are you up to? And I said, well, I'm writing I'm a feminist butt. And he said, I love your feminist butt. And I was like, yeah. thank you, baby. Objectifying me. So I feel uh, very happy. That is nice. That is nice. Yeah. Uh, Raya, do you have an I'm a feminist butt? Uh, I'm a feminist, but I'm also a hopeless romantic and I only really write love songs. That's oh. nice. lovely. We love that. <laughs> Feminism is allowed to be romantic, but hmm. I would suggest you just try your hand at one angry political rant yeah, song. Yeah, exactly. I've got to get one out there, you know. I always feel like I need to do like a feminist power song. It's yes. Coming. It's the next one. It's on the it's on the next album, I promise. And Grace Petrie, if you're listening, I'm so sorry. I am telling Raya to step <laughs> right on your turf. Right on your folky <laughs> protesting turf. Um, I can hear Grace. Grace Petrie is a feminist, but I can hear her saying, tell her to stick to romance. She just told you that's what she does. Why are you getting her to... Pro-? No, she would never say that. She would say, we need more people protesting, more feminism, she would say. I'm a feminist, but last week I got to leave the house to do a photo shoot for work. And in the middle of it, I just stopped the whole thing and went... <gasps> I'm just so excited to be touched because the hair and makeup people were like, you know, when they come up to you while between photos and they sort of dab at you and sort of, you know, Mm. put things back in place and tease Mm. your hair. And I just suddenly realized I'd missed being touched so much, but it was just incredible to be pretty. I was in a low place and I came back feeling radiant and touched, but also my eyeliner was so on point. And you know what? I didn't, I'm a feminist, but I didn't wash my face all weekend because I kept the makeup on. <laughs> 48 hours. <laughs> I, they put on those little eyelashes on you, you know, when you put those little separate single false eyelashes on yes. and they sort of wore off little by little, but there was no way I was putting them off because I was feeling so glamorous. You know, so I've tried like, those. I'd like to. Oh, it, they're great. great. I am very committed to Lola's Lashes Official. I talk about them all the time. You put on this liquid eyeliner and it's magnetic and then you just pop the eyelash on. They don't pay me to say this, by the way. This is not a paid advert. I just love them and talk about them because it makes me extremely happy. And this is a real I'm a feminist, but I'm a feminist, but I read a, I shouldn't, I feel bad telling you this, but I'm a feminist, but 
I read a magazine article once saying that the only thing men can notice is eyelashes. They just, you know, you spend all this time on makeup and hair and stuff and they're like, eh, you look the same. But eyelashes, they think you look more attractive. They don't know why. They can't see what it is. I mean, I'm talking about straight men. I'm talking about very, very, very straight cis men who Mm. it just, all of the grooming goes over their head. But they can see eyelashes. They go, oh yeah, she looks pretty like that. I don't know why. And so I'm a feminist, but I do... If I need a boost, I do think I do think I look pretty with eyelashes, more eyelashes. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, I read I that love they the like them to feel um, soft and like strokeable rather than like upright and stark. I think I read like a similar article about the importance of eyelashes. So I'm always like trying to get my eyelashes to stick up really boldly, but be also soft and not like hard with mascara, which is actually, I think it's impossible. That is impossible. Yeah. I mean, is this what I men mean, want? Do men want them to be soft and stiff? This is I where I'm going wrong. I'm a full-time glasses wearer. So I find it difficult to wear uh, false eyelashes, but maybe <laughs> this is where I mean, I'm going wrong. I mean, can I just back up here? Fuck what men want. Men want me to look like I've got way more eyelashes than I have. They want them to be stiff and upright, but also soft and tender. Exactly. Well, do you know what? I also want a penis to be stiff and upright and soft and tender. And it's only one Absolutely. of those things at any one time. So they can fuck the fuck off. I've taken it back. I, nobody try hard for men at all. That's outrageous. No. I'm, I'm embarrassed to have ever said it. No, that was that was great. I think like I think men just essentially want cows though, because cows have incredible eyelashes. Have you seen them as animals? They look beautiful. Like if I if I could swear swear down, next time you look at a cow, Deborah, mm. look it in the eye, beautiful eyelashes, like a beauty queen. They also I, have massive tongues. They do, and men love that as well. You see, Just this is that we cannot compete with cows. This is a real what men want segment, and I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. This is meant they to be want, a feminist podcast. They uh, want four stomachs. They want hooves. That's what they want. More <laughs> impossible beauty standards for women. Four yeah. stomachs. Four stomachs, but it's got to look flat. Yes. <laughs> oh, we want to see the abs, but four stomachs inside so that you can have four different meals in four different pubs and not exactly. complain. Well, I want you to eat chips, but also have a flat stomach. No. Do you know what? Forget what men want. I'm not interested. I'm only no. interested in what I want slash women and people of minority genders want. That's it. It's over. Um, <laughs> has anyone got any more I'm a feminist butts? I'm a feminist but when I did a full-on piece about um, anti-gypsyism and sexism, I was most bothered about a man in the comments who singularly referred to me as eyebrows. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How unbelievably human of you to be. You know, so many people would kill for your eyebrows, though. Like, I know this is a podcast, but like, you've incredible brows. Mm. Like, honestly, they are incredible. Some bloke. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, oh, what do I do about that, though? Like, you know, I can't really kind of tape them down. Uh, (laughs) Your eyebrows are very on fleek, though. They're very on trend. They're incredible. You have a remarkable brow. Thank you. I used to have a fringe and I forgot I had eyebrows for about four years and then I got rid of it. (laughs) Then they reappeared. I'm a feminist, but I'm also a Romany woman and I get the impression sometimes that that blows people's minds. Mm. (laughs) What, people think you can only be one or the other? I believe, yeah. I think Romany women tend to be depicted in the media as as these one-dimensional human beings who don't really have a Brit's depth of emotions or experiences. So, um, yeah, I would say I'm a feminist, but I'm also a Romany woman. 
I'm a feminist, but today I ate some um, pasta that was called Truly Pasta. Um, the shape of it, it's kind of, it's like a female condom, basically. I was looking at it and I was a bit skeezed out by it. And then I was thinking, why am I not skeezed out by the many phallic bits of food that I eat all the time? Like, why, why when I saw female contraception to me, I was like, oh, not sure. It was so tasty. It was really good. But... <laughs> oh yeah, you're but, right. Because there's lots of things like sticks and things like that, like breadsticks, breadsticks, hot dogs, ice lollies. I mean, I blush when I eat all of it, but don't stop me. They are tasty. <laughs> <laughs> bananas, As bananas. My residual Catholicism still hasn't stopped me enjoying phallic food. Like that's the way I feel. <laughs> bananas. What else? There's got to be more. Oh, there are, there's lots of things. Lots of lots of things are in a... Yeah, now that you say it, more food is in a phallic shape than is not. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? We should get more vagina-shaped food, I think. Listen. That will help with the patriarchy. If that's your passion project for 2021, Alice and I will back it. That is. More <laughs> more pitta pockets. That's what I'm saying. What about Less slices? hot dogs, more pitta pockets. Pizza pockets? Yeah. like pizza. Mor- Morrison's do quite a good pizza pocket. Oh, mm. this is good. This is good. Yeah, recommendations. Well, like They're a cake nice. slice is a nice V shape as well. Mm. That's quite handy. <laughs> That's true. And I think I said this on the podcast before, but in Ireland we have this biscuit. It looks. It's like very pink and puffy. Got like pink puffy lines. It looks very much like a vagina, to be mm. honest with you. But what about a cream right. donut? One of those donuts that have a split down the middle, and then you pipe the cream in, and then you put a little bit of jam where the clitoris is. There you see, there we go. Actually, look, I think we're perfectly fine. The patriarchy, we've taken it back. We got the best types of food. They might have hot dogs, but we got those lovely jam donuts. Damn, I want a donut now. (laughs) From a variety of bedrooms and kitchens via Zoom, The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host Alison Spittle, and our very special guest, Lola Jones, and Lisa Smith with music from Raya Knight talking about Romany women. Woo! Yeah! Woo! You have to facsimile an audience. This is The Guilty (laughs) Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis-White. With me is Alison Spittle, and we're talking about Romany women. We have some incredible guests today, Alison. Yes. Tell me, do you know anything about Romany women? I don't know much uh, about Romany women, to be honest with you. I know um, traveler, Irish travellers, um, but they're different people. But they're, um, yeah, so basically I know nothing about uh, Romany women and I'm excited to learn today. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Uh, so yesterday our government announced that there would be an easing of lockdown because the vaccine programme has worked in Scotland It's 85% or 95% successful, depending on which vaccine you take. Um, Mm. So there are 95% fewer, um, 85 to 95% fewer hospitalizations. And this means if we do vaccinate our whole population, coronavirus will become something more like a flu, which is manageable and NHS will not be so overloaded. And I just saw, this is for the, the official government calendar, on the 8th of March, you will be able to get drunk with one friend in a park. Yes. On the 29th of March, you'll be able to get drunk with five other people in your garden. Wonderful. If you had a garden, which London, lol. Um, <laughs> April 12th, you'll be able to get drunk in a pub garden with five other people. 
Come on. Oh, 17th of May, you'll be able to get drunk inside the pub with five other people. Mm-hmm. I mean, what does it matter if you know the five people or not? The other people are just sitting right behind you. That's whatever. I suppose they've got to make the rule somehow. 21st of June, this meme that I was just sent says, book week off work, get really drunk inside or outside, both, <laughs> hug everyone and tell them that you love them. Oh. Uh, Deborah, when am I going to be able to sniff a stranger's armpit? That's what I want to know. That's when I doesn't feel this pandemic will be fully finished. I can't wait. <laughs> it doesn't say on the chart. It's not clear. Uh, but I reckon June 21st, you will be in a pub trying to order a drink. And I reckon the pub will be absolutely rammed. I think we should be careful, though. I don't think we should just launch ourselves in the way that this meme is suggesting. I think we do need to be... Oh, we're we're definitely we're definitely taking it with a pinch of salt. My dad got his um his vaccine today, which I'm super <gasps> excited about. Exciting, yeah. And then the the family WhatsApp group is just it's like he's graduated or something. We're all just going, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And granddad got his um vaccine injection a few weeks ago. So I mean, there is hope. I feel I I know it's hard because hope has been something that we've kind of held and then it's been taken away and then held and then taken away but I think the thing I've learned from this whole lockdown and pandemic is never let anything take away your optimism because that is your humanity and um, I, I am optimistic about June no matter what happens at least the weather will be nicer. The weather will be nicer and I reckon it's definitely going to be I mean it's got to be better than now because if Scotland has had around 90% fewer hospitalizations, and we get vaccinated, it's going to be the same. So it's got to be. I reckon we're going to be in a theatre. I'm going to hear the orchestra tuning up. Yeah, People are going to be rustling. I honestly don't think we're going to take things for granted No, for at least six weeks. <laughs> and then we're back to complaining about someone at the cinema stand. He stood on my foot and he didn't even apologise. Um, yes. Why are they rustling sweets? There's no... If that guy doesn't get off his phone, I'm going to say something. I'm going to say something. I'm not going to say something, but I want to say something. I'm going to say something. Um, <laughs> that'll be six weeks in. But for that first six weeks, I think we'll just be so high and loved up on humanity that we oh. will find other people's annoying qualities endearing. Definitely. I Definitely. So. I can't wait. I'm very excited. Our first guest is a Romani activist currently volunteering between the UK and Hungary. She is a co-founder of the Diklo Collective, which provides free cultural packages to Romani and traveller people globally and is a co-founder of Traveller Pride, which is an LGBT plus Romani and traveller campaign and support group. Please welcome Lolo Jones. Hello, Lolo. Our second guest is a global leader for young children at the World Forum Foundation and chair of ASSERT, the Advisory Council the education of Romani and other travellers. Through her role as editor and project manager at the Traveller Times, Lisa supports young gypsy and traveller people through our journalism, training and information programmes. Please welcome Lisa Smith. Woo! Go on, gal. Also joining our conversation uh, is Raya Knight. Now, Raya is really here to close with music, but we can't resist uh, introducing her into the chat as well. So Raya Knight is a singer-songwriter and actress currently based in Berlin. Of dual heritage, British Romani descent, Raya grew up surrounded by the Romani activist movement through which she was both politicised and given a platform to perform. Please welcome Raya Knight! Woo! Woo! 
So Lola, tell us about why you wanted to come on the podcast. Well, I mean, I was in Budapest at the time and I just realised that there's a lot of intersectional dialogue happening right now in feminism and that Romani women were completely excluded from that conversation, despite having, I think, such terrible treatment across Europe. You know, I think it takes something that when the ONS did a recent study on, you know, hated groups within Europe, Romani people were so widely put as one of the top ones. Um, you know, there's been over 500 pogroms or mass massacres of Romani people over the past five years. Um, when I was in Budapest, our Holocaust memorial was desecrated by far-right activists that just put die gypsies over the top. Um, and there was actually far-right groups outside Roma Parliament, um, you know, with flare guns shouting about how all gypsies should die and actually pulling women by the hair off the street. Oh, my um, God. You feel so powerless when you come from that community because you don't have the solidarity from mainstream feminist, white, what I would say, Gorgia, as in non-travel or non-Romany movements, and you're left on a limb. And that frustration ended up put me putting like a little knocked off comment really late at night on like the guilty feminist group. And then like 10 minutes later, De I got a message request from Deborah. Um, <laughs> and I was kind of like, oh my gosh, you know, what's going on? But it just stemmed from that. Like, I can't tell you how bad it is also being there. And that's coming from someone who's a white passing Romany person, you know, I don't experience colorism that a lot of Romany women do who live in Hungary. And it's literally just every day. I go out in very traditional clothes, you get yelled at on the bus, you get yelled at in the street, you get people following you around places, following you around shops, um, you know, restricting your rights at every point and centre. Um, and it's so out in the open. Our history also hasn't been recorded by us. It's been taken and exploited by white, upper-class academics who've come into communities taken from us and been able to amass huge wealth and credit from that. Like, our history is very much oral history, um, and there's that aspect to it as well. Wow. Lisa Smith, can we bring you in? You're the manager at the Traveller Times. How much of what Lolo is experiencing is something that you think is systemic and you're trying to fight? I think, especially over the last year and a half, we've seen during the COVID pandemic, I suppose, particularly kind of fan the flames of racism or hostility towards stigmatised groups in society because I think people are looking to cast blame um, to particular groups. Um, but I mean, I agree with Flo and I just can echo that, I guess. I'm currently based in Berlin, uh, working on a, a podcast called Smith's Kushti Podcast. And that's looking at issues related to Romani history, culture and identity, and then bringing them in and connecting them with current issues and news. And uh, the Romani word for Kushti, the, the English Romani word for Kushti means good. And a lot of this is interesting because a lot of people presumed it was just some type of Cockney slang because we hear the likes of Del Boy and Rodney and Danny Dyer on EastEnders saying it. But what a lot of people don't realise is that this is an ancient Romanical word that dates back hundreds of uh, years. 
But basically on this podcast, we're looking at um, far-right extremism at the moment and the rise in that, particularly in Germany. And I was having a chat the other day because there was an incident in Hanau. Um, it was a terror attack where a neo-Nazi uh, shot nine people. Three of those included were actually Romani. So that was in the news a lot and we created a podcast around that and speaking to people who were friends of victims. What we often have is, uh, for example, if there's a particular documentary on TV, like The Truth About Traveller Crime, I don't know if you guys got to watch that, but it was particularly damaging in the sense of like during a worldwide pandemic, when uh, you know Romani people and travellers are part of the local communities that they live in and are supporting and helping. And we basically had a documentary that depicted us as criminals. And I quote Andrea Celius, an MP, who, who actually compared us um, to, what did he say? We are criminal gangs and increasingly violent. But there's six million Romani women in Europe and as a whole population of people were Europe's largest ethnic minority. I think, I mean, a good example working at Travellers Times is we will sometimes, I'll open the inbox and if there has been a news article that's gone out or somebody's seen something they don't quite like about Romani travellers or whatever, we'll get emails to our inbox saying things like, uh, these people should be exterminated. How can my you God. support this? Why don't you ever report on the negative? Oh, my God. Um, but the main reason we exist is to challenge negative stereotypes in mainstream society and give Romanian and traveller people a platform and voice to tell their side of the story uh, and to celebrate the positivity that we rarely, seldom get to hear. Well, tell me the joy of being Romani. Having close family values having a rich culture and tradition that dates back in Britain over 500 years, having a really strong history of music and oral history. And something that I'm very proud of as a Romani woman is that even though our language was never officially documented, that we still have managed to keep it. Wonderful. Raya, can you speak to this? Because you are Romani and a musician. What's the joy? What's the fun stuff? What's the funny stuff? Well, yeah, I, I second what Lisa said. I'm dual heritage and I grew up with a very strong awareness and an interest in my Romani background. And for me, it has always been something of pride and of celebration. And throughout my life, I'm lucky to have been given many different creative and artistic opportunities to explore my Romani identity. So, for example, for, with me, like I'm, I'm blonde, I'm white skinned. People often think that I'm like Scandinavian or something. And um, when I first came to Berlin, it was to work on this project called the Roma Army, which was a theatre show at the Maxim Gorky Theatre. And that was in 2017. And it was the first time ever that there had been a show with Romani actors from across Europe telling their own stories on a national stage like we'd never been given that opportunity before and I think that really like speaks to the level of exposure that we're given on a public platform often for me it wasn't the first thing that came up in conversation like my Romani heritage it doesn't like just fall out of the ether normally but people would say oh why are you in Berlin like what are you doing here and I'd say oh, I'm working on this project la 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 and they'd be like what but you don't look Roma and I'm like, okay, well, what does a Roma look like? And I'm like, why? Well, you don't have Roma eyes. You don't have a Roma face. You don't have Roma hair. You don't, I don't know. And then, or they'd start 
um, saying, oh, you're a gypsy. Okay, I knew because you bewitched me with your power. Oh, my God. So either way, you start getting these, like, people just start like spurting these racist stereotypes at you, whether they're telling you that you're not a gypsy because they know more about it than you and you're telling them that's your ethnic identity or they're, they're doing some sort of romanticised, very damaging, overly sexualised stereotype at you as well. It's almost like an existential issue. Like you spend your whole time trying to explain your existence to people before you can even really have a conversation about the racism that they're kind of throwing at you. You have to first explain the fact that you exist. In Ireland, politicians have got away with anti-traveller uh, sentiment and been very open with it and have got oh, a lesson on the back. And politicians mm. in the UK do it too. My dad is from England, my mum is from Ireland. And in both countries, I find that the political system has always been against uh, Romani people and travellers and they're quite open with it and it suits them politically. What I try to do is if I see a politician that's tweeting about it or if they've got a weird newsletter about that, call them out on it. Like write to them and go, I'm not going to vote for you. I, I'm not, I wasn't going to probably vote for you anyway, but I'm definitely not now. And uh, to make it not a political viable thing for people to be openly racist. I mean, it should be done anyway. Agreed. MPs do care about that. MPs do care about what gets them votes. So the more you can write to your MP about these things, the more it matters. Unfortunately, it's not a vote winner to be seen to be openly supporting us. Actually, it's a vote loser. And this is the biggest thing. But the other issue is that a lot of politicians don't view Roman or traveller people as their constituents, even though there are people rooted in many different parts of the country who have got a real long-standing connection and probably have lived in that one area for hundreds of years. But there is a small, uh, I would say small, but there is a a wave and a movement of very active, young, uh, Romani gypsy and traveller people who are politically involved and politically campaigning. So that brings much positivity to me because they're, you know, we are there and we're visible and we just need to keep raising our voices in order to be. And especially in places like Berlin, where they founded the European Roma Institute for Arts and Culture, which is really joining a lot of dots and is collaborating with a lot of community-based grassroots organisations, which have been doing a lot of work for years and years now. And um, they're run by two women who are both very strong feminist figures and are incredibly qualified for what they do. I feel like they're bringing Roma arts and culture into the forefront with the work that they're doing. We've got a lot of listeners in Berlin, funny enough. So, um, mm. do you? so if you're listening and you're in Berlin, please try and support that. Is there anywhere else we can donate? Any, any young people's uh, activist efforts we can donate to? Lolo, especially the LGBTQ stuff, where can we donate? Yeah, so Traveller Pride do have a donation link. Um, there's also a Romani fundraiser that we've linked on our Diclo Collective page for the Italian Roma that have been kicked out of their homes and have nothing, don't no access to school or anything. We have a link to that PayPal. Also, our project, the Diclo Collective, which provides free packages to Romani and Traveller people worldwide. There's also the ERRC, which is the European Roma Rights Centre, we can put the links in the show notes. And just if you're listening and you're Googling, Diclo is spelled D-I-K-H-L-O. And it's a Roman yeah, word. What, what does it mean? It's for a headscarf in a particular like pattern. I'm wearing one now, not worn, obviously, in a proper way, but they're very floral. Um, well, they can also be paisley yeah. as well. That's beautiful. Thank you. 
Lisa, do you know the way you yeah. were talking about kushti earlier? Is there any other like uh, what Romani words that are used within yeah. the... We trace our language back through... We know we originate from northern India because we trace back our heritage through our linguistics. For, for example, a word that we'd use for house would be care, which is very similar to as in Sanskrit. So we can really trace it back to the very early stages through linguistics. But I'll give it over to you girls if you want to... Um, highlight some other words that are commonly used. Well, I think something to remember is that there's about 27 different dialects of Romanes or the Romani language that are spoken today. And also it's one of the last mm. Indo-Aryan languages that exists that doesn't have a formalised alphabet or spelling system. So there's no official way of spelling words. Um, so in that sense, there's a lot of inclusivity around it. Um, but yeah, I don't know if Raya wants to add in anything. I'm trying interesting. to think of ones that are in, like the Romani words that have been like adopted into English, like Wonga. Mm-hmm. I think Wonga's one for money. Yeah. <laughs> and lollipop <laughs> that, is apparently right. a Romani word as well, which is yeah. funny. And then That's we have amazing. words like commonly in England, most Romani speak poggedy jib, which is translates as broken tongue. And is like a creole of the Romani language, mm-hmm. which is basically like the Romani words, but used in an English grammar mm. structure. And it's kind of like, it's much more, because people quite often in England anyway, people don't speak the language fluently that often anymore. Because it was banned, like in the, I don't know, 16th century or something, you could be murdered for speaking Romanesque. So that legacy yeah. that lives on. Yeah. Um, not to say that some people don't speak it, of course, but mm. um, I grew up with my mum like referring to like certain things in Romanesque like the yog for the fire or the juk is the dog yeah, I don't know there's loads tufla for tobacco that's such like homely words as well mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, I've summarised my picturesque I need to think of something cutting edge here now wait <laughs> I think Something that's important to know, though, also just to add in, like, a bit wider than the subject of Romani people, but just to understand there's a lot of different groups within the UK that come under these different categories of GRT, which is, like, Gypsy Roma Traveller. You have, like, Roma communities from, like, the Mm. Balkans. You have Scottish travellers. You have Irish travellers. You have Welsh Romani people that have their own dialect. You have Sinti people. You have Bargy folk who like traditionally lived on boats you have showmen the showman community um and all of that like there's a lot of diversity and i think this comes down to the issue of um how the media has historically it has a lot to answer for to be honest with you like my big fat gypsy weddings is the racial caricature that we have to live against um and it shows no diversity people don't talk about how the show exploited families um, that were financially struggling and told them oh, what this... to say and what to do and how to put across their identity, orchestrated situations. It's not representative of the live reality of Romani and wider traveller people. We're such diverse communities that are so different in culture. And this is the thing with like Channel 4 and stuff is now they try and give us this ruse of being there for equality But then when our own community members go in for like a diversity watch and tell them about problems in it, they then say, oh, we can't make any changes. Oh, that's just how it is. Or they come into our communities, take photos of us, and then they get celebrated for taking pictures of us. 
And it's like, well, that's not the diversity. The diversity is having Romanian traveler photographers mm. or people getting paid for their time who are from the community making these changes. Um, and I think that yeah. that's something to add. Oh, mm. and something I do want to say as well about something beautiful about Romani culture is as a plus size woman, you're very restricted often in general with your shops. You have Evans's and everything's all bland and dark and you're just restricted to being like a shapeless like fridge and it's like you know when you go into like <laughs> traditional clothing like what i'm wearing today it's bold and you're not restricted on any sizing whatsoever in like what you can express yourself with so like for example i make a point of buying specifically from romany businesses getting traditional garments usually from balkan roma people and you know there's this whole wave of like you're also not body shamed either as Romani women for wearing these clothes and exemplifying yourself. Like uh, that's something and that's something I struggle with in mainstream society. You know, when I go out, the amount of times I get called like a fat, ugly bitch by like some bloke on the street. But when I go back into my community space, I'm celebrated and loved and the clothing that I want to wear isn't restricted on the basis of my size or what's considered beautiful. So, Fascinating stuff yeah. and very, very, so much to think about. And just on that point, Deborah, if anybody is looking to find out more about what these words are and what it consists of Gypsy Roman and Traveller, Traveller's Times made a, a short, just really accessible animation that explains oh, just that. And can we do a link in the show notes to that? Yeah, that would be amazing. Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. Some of you may have heard on BBC Radio 4 this week my new series, Deborah Francis White Introduces. It's five stories from five storytellers, just 15 minutes each. I gave everyone the prompt, the devil you know. Mine is first. It's a bit of an I'm a feminist but story about a woman uh, running off to do something daring and reckless. The other storytellers who all told stories from their real lives are Travis Alabanza, Scarlett Curtis, Steve Alley and Jessica Foster-Q. They are all completely stunning. And you know all of those people from the podcast. Mark of quality, gang. So go to BBC Sounds and listen now. If you are craving more Guilty Feminist live streaming after the last show that we did, don't worry, we've got you covered. On Monday, the 19th of April, we'll be recording an episode of the podcast. And although you can't be with us in person to clap and cheer, laugh and cry, you can join us via the magic of the internet by buying a ticket for the live stream. Your ticket gets you an instant live audio and video connection to everything that goes on while we're recording, including all the best bits that get cut out of the final podcast. And you can comment along via the chat and maybe have your contribution read out or your question answered. And if you can't be there live because it's the middle of the night where you are, you can get access to the video for 72 whole hours. So it's The Guilty Feminist at King's Place, 7.30pm UK time on Monday, the 19th of April. To get your tickets, go to kingsplace.co.uk or follow the link on guiltyfeminist.com. And just a word for British listeners to say the policing bill that we talked about last week in the podcast that we would love to kill and if we can't, we must amend. Do you remember us talking about the fact 
that it is in part designed to make life more difficult for travelling populations and to give the police greater powers to move on Romani people and travellers who are nomadic. Do you remember that? Well, this episode on Romani women was recorded before we knew about the policing bill. So our guests have asked us, could we mention to you how important it is to fight this bill and if it can't be killed, to make sure the amendments don't allow life to be made even harder for Romani women and all travelling people. Thank you. And now back to the podcast. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Now, I want to come to Raya now because it's time for some music. Raya, uh, you are a singer-songwriter, as we said. You made your first step into theatre, working for Berlin's Maxim Gorky Theatre. In 2019, you worked with the grassroots organisation Roma Trial to co-found the project Romna Jazz, which aimed to highlight the profiles of Roma and Sinti women making music in Berlin. This first release of Raya's personal work is an intimate reflection of her time in Berlin and it's going to be out in March 2021. Raya, are you ready to take it away and give us some beautiful music? Oh, God. Yeah, I'll do my best. So uh, as this was an episode about Romani women, I wanted to sing a traditional uh, Romani song for you today, which is not what I would normally do in one of my gigs. But actually, um, as as we talked about earlier in this episode, like the Romani history is still mostly not written. And um, it's a history that we largely tell through song. And we have a very strong oral tradition of song. And because of that, we've kind of become the song keepers, I would say, in the UK, because we're now some of the last people that sing these old traditional uh, folk ballads. And they're often sung a cappella. And that's how I started out singing. I started singing a cappella because I was always encouraged at these events as a small child to sing. And there's very much a, a cultural tradition where if you're invited to sing, like you stand up and you sing, you don't say no, there's no time to be shy. So <laughs> um, I wanted to sing a, a song by Phoebe Smith, who was a Kentish Romani singer. And she spent her summers hop picking in Kent, just like my nan. So I wanted to sing this as a tribute to her and to all the keepers of British Romani history and heritage. Please welcome to the mic, Ryan Knight. Woo! I thought she was an angel bright Come tripping down so low The same kind sir, I'm a country girl And modest to me 
beautiful um that was really wonderful thank you raya and where can we find your music yeah so my first ep is coming out um at the end of march that's the plan at the moment it's called night in neukölln and it is a reflection of my time living in that area of berlin and it was written during a residency that i did with roma trial who are a um berlin-based romany grassroots activist organization and uh yeah it's it's quite like a I feel like it's quite intimate EP it's all quite like raw tracks that are not like very produced and um yeah I'm really excited to get it out in the world and it'll be on all the you know streaming platforms that you can desire I'd love to know like Lola and Lisa what kind of documentary would you like to be made what would you call it because the wow. Channel 4 documentary, like just by the name of it, just wow. seems like a heap of shit. I'm also a filmmaker. And at the moment, tying up this documentary, um, that's looking and that's exploring how Romani women's identity is represented in the media, looking at documentaries like this and the impact that it has on women's everyday lived realities and how people perceive them. 
And when I've spoken to women, one of the things that have come out of it is that, you know, film and TV is so powerful because it's got the power to, to represent people. It's a political undertaking, no doubt. Um, but the, unfortunately, what we've seen across uh, film and TV is this very narrative, one-dimensional version of what a Romany woman is or what Romany womanhood actually is. So, for example, My Big Fat Gypsy Wedding objectifies women in a massive way and puts out this singular narrative that all we care about is uh, getting married and being a housewife. That's not to undermine that role, and I think if that's your choice, then that should be celebrated and very much accepted. But the issue is that we see Romany women through documentaries like this be made into a spectacle or something to be laughed at. And I don't think people should care or have so much curiosity about the way a Romany woman decides to live her life as a human being. And something that's brilliant with working at Travellers Times is just seeing the diversity of Romany women, people working in shops, people working as nurses, people working as lawyers, you know, people working uh, as makeup checkout assistants. It is just so dirty. Artists, it's almost actresses, like academics. And do all the things that yeah, people do. Uh, yeah, this is exactly what I was getting at. It's this just dehumanising narrative that we've got. And if you look at mainstream press... The first thing that tends to come into people's heads when we hear gypsy or traveller is front page spread, the sun, uh, look at my neighbours that have just turned up at unauthorised encampments. But we really need to push through this narrative because we're Britain's one of Britain's most long-standing ethnic minorities. Um, and I think we really do need to push past the perception that uh, you know, unauthorised camps, traveller caravans, because as well, only a small percentage of people are living a nomadic lifestyle. And we need to go back to the ethnicity because we are an ethnic group of people. And I think people just sometimes think that to be a Romani person or to be traveller of Irish heritage, that it's a lifestyle choice. And then they see us as this type of social problem when actually it's your ethnicity. It doesn't matter where you live, whether I'm in an apartment here in Berlin or a site living in a, in a caravan in the West Midlands. So whether it's the casual racism of conversation or quite violent and structural racism that Lolo talked about, you're dealing with that all the time. What can we as feminists do to help and to change this? Well, I think what you're doing, bringing us into the conversation, is a really amazing start. So. Great. Okay. Low- Representation matters. Yeah, no, it really that. does. It really does. And it's just sort of accessibility and putting it into people's minds. But what else can we do, Lolo? It's a lot of things. I think people need to confront the notion of what they've done to our community systematically in terms of anti-gypsyism. I think everyone who's listening to this will know within their local communities how they react. It's about reparations to communities like there was a history of Romani slavery in the UK and wider Europe. We were, we lost a quarter of our population in the Holocaust. Um, we continue to be systematically oppressed and not enjoy the benefits that everyone does, even on a local level. You know, in my local area, there's been a massive hate crime on a site here where there's people just been spray painting on trailers saying, die, gypsy, if you move here, we'll kill you. Um, and there's been no action on that, nothing from all the local people, nothing from local progressive movements. You can make calls all day out of my personal time and labour, and nothing comes from it. 
And it's also not just checking in and checking out of it. This is an ongoing conversation because my issue is in LGBT activism. I go to events and everyone gets exuberated because I'm this like funny talking working class woman. Um, They're like, ooh, that's fun to listen to. She's kind of a bit, you know, interesting and weird. And it's like, you know, (laughs) then suddenly when you reach out afterwards, poof, it's gone. The solidarity, the moment of being seduced by us as a community disappears into the abyss. This is a very violent form of racism. So if we're going to fix it, it has to come from very intense changes, not being active bystanders when we hear racism from people in our lives and from ourselves, but also recognising that we're not just people on the bottom of the pile living in trailers. That's systematic and historic. And also that we don't have to be the perfect gypsy. I don't have to have a degree to be valid. Someone who's been informally educated on a site and is just doing their day-to-day in manual labour is just as smart and intellectual as I am. The thing that I always come down to is, do you care? Do you actually care? Because I think for a lot of people, they don't. And I think that's just something that we consistently have to kind of micromanage and also always centering gorgeous people in our work. You know, we're always convincing people that we're people and it's wild. It's honestly wild. And we never get to the real issues. So I think that's part of fixing it. I'm a bit of a, a bit of a talker. So as <laughs> No, no, it's very interesting and it's it's interesting to hear. Lisa, what can we do to help? I think on the most um, simple level in people's daily work is just allowing space for Romani women's voices to be heard and creating safe spaces where we can have dialogues like this and conversations where people can get to hear from us. So if you're listening to this and you have a platform and you think, oh, I'd like to platform one or more of these women or other Romani women in my community, you can reach out to guiltyfeminist at gmail.com. But I really wish like the BBC and Channel 4 and ITV would have more of these issues on and would fairly and openly platform people. If you work for some kind of mainstream media and you have influence there, could you please consider it? use that influence. If you're a feminist, use that influence. But if you have a blog, if you have a podcast, if you have something where you think, yeah, I could platform somebody, it's really worth doing. And one thing that we used to have before COVID and we will have again after COVID, we had a show called Global Pillage where we had uh, comedians on from different backgrounds. And I don't think we ever had anybody Romany on. And that seems now like to me a massive oversight. And uh, so I would love for one of you to come on when we start Global Pillage again, or more than one of you. Why can't you all come on? So can we keep, my question to my listeners now is, can we keep this rolling? The more times you can platform a Romani woman or a Romani person and in some way or another facilitate her to speak about her ethnicity, but put her humanity before her identity. The more we can do that, yeah. the, the more perceptions will just change. So if you are writing a sitcom right now that's going to be commissioned, can you include a Romany Get character played by a Romany <laughs> actor? And can you consult with that actor to make sure that script is truthful? If you are booking a panel show, if you're writing a new blog or whatever, can you find different ways to represent? And can we keep it rolling from this podcast here tonight? But also like to understand that we're also intersectional. Like, for example, as someone who's a lesbian and is also Romani and is also Jewish and is also mixed, 
Like, you know, I'm someone that also comes with a lot of privileges, but also a lot of intersectionality. The thing is, is that a lot of, I find, especially with women as well, is they try and kind of assert the legitimacy of your gypsiness, let's say, based on stereotypes. So like, for example, people say, oh, I never saw anything gypsy in your house. And it's like, what do you want my mum to be doing? Smoking a cigar, playing the accordion, you know, <laughs> playing the spoons on her. And it's like, you know, that's not how it is. And also, what like, are they looking for tambourines or what are they looking for? Exactly. Like, <laughs> this is the problem. But then it's also just that there's also issues like LGBT stuff as well. Like, I work for a campaign group which place it like it gives immediate aid to travelers or Romani people who are struggling. And the consistent issue is that NGOs made for LGBT issues are not equipped in any way to deal with traveler and Romani people who need immediate help then and there, safe housing, somewhere to go, someone to help them liaise with the council, totally unprepared. We had a young person who had a threat on their life who was a trans member of the traveller community and the police misgendered them. The police was completely dismissive of them as also an underage person. And it was us having to do it. We had to do all the work. And it's like, you know, as much as I'm happy to be doing all this, like I'm also, you know, a queer person myself where it's a lot to emotionally handle. And it's like, no one's ready for it. London Pride we even had, like, you know, gorgeous white gay men asking me to kiss them on the cheek for luck and read their palm. And it's like, I have ownership over my body as a Romany woman and as a queer woman. And it also comes into topics around, like, this idea of the uh, seductive gypsy woman. And what people don't realise is because they think we're a primitive people and we haven't had this progress and they try and justify their racism using progressive politics, is they don't understand that the reason for that is when Romani women first came to the UK... People have never seen women who wore clothes that was comfortable for their bodies, already had jobs whilst being married, already had communal raising of children, and also already had the fundamentals of a welfare state. Because like, if someone else was struggling in your community, then someone else helped. And then people then try and turn it around and say that we're the people that are primitive, we're the people that don't have feminists. And like, it's something that really bothers me in my own work, but also just you constantly have gorgeous people trying to tell you if you're gypsy enough for them, but that never saves you from anti-gypsyism. No matter how much they try and say to you, you're not gypsy enough in my own head, you know, it doesn't save me on the streets of Budapest, doesn't save me when my mum's working or anything like that. It never saves you. And I think that's something that's quite hard to handle as a community, is this consistent trauma all the time, consistent. So we need to campaign and make sure we're writing to our MPs, especially if we know we have Romani travellers in our area, in our constituency, to look for more government support and to fight both the violent and the casual bigotry. It's not okay for people at Pride to be coming up and asking for Lucky Heather. Um, is there anything anyone came to say that they didn't get to say? Uh, just thank you very much, Deborah, for giving us a platform to be able just to express ourselves and our experiences to a wider audience. So thank you. Privilege. For me, it's just to say to remember that this doesn't start and end with checking in with us three. So just to remember that we need to continue diversifying. It starts at home. You know, make sure that your local councils are being efficient and good. 
with the Romani and traveler community in your area. Engage with the businesses in your local area. Make sure you're buying from travelers and Romani people, standing up for them. It doesn't start and end with us three. We're not the three gypsies of like England, unfortunately. So, uh, like you know, it, it does have to be more diverse than this. Just on that, I have one question. I'd you know love to support Romani businesses, and you were talking about the clothes being great for an inclusive sizing. And I was like, oh gosh, I reckon lots of women would want to buy those clothes because they're bright colored and you're saying they're comfortable and they're inclusive sizing and all of that sort of stuff. But is that, would that be seen as cultural appropriation or would it depend how you wore it? Would it be good to support a business, but not wear it in a way that implied you were Romany if you weren't? Well, there's a way of buying from Romany businesses that isn't traditional garments that are for us. For example, Zeta Moldovan has a whole store that just has like a Diclo print, like, you know, zip up jumper and things like that. Romany Design, also they're a designer brand who are Romany owned that have a variety of things that um, that aren't traditional garments that would be cultural appropriation to wear. So you have a lot of Romany businesses that are owned by Romany people that aren't selling items that wouldn't that would be a taking as opposed to a, an exchange. Right. OK, thank you. It has been such an incredible privilege to have the three of you on, such brilliant, articulate, passionate, uh, creative, glorious women. Thank you so much for coming and educating us. And Guilty Feminists listening, please, please, please make an effort to get to know Romani people, to get them to know more about the culture and to get them to know more about the structural uh, violence against them, because it's our job as feminists not to look away. Can I also, on behalf of... You and Lee, who made that brilliant feminist uh, headdress for me, she's Chinese and she was telling me that Chinese people at the moment are getting a lot of abuse in the street. She's been making masks because she's a headdress maker and she thought, well, I'll start making masks as well. And she's been making PPE and stuff. And she was queuing up to buy some supplies and somebody went, go back to China, China virus, you know, and people have been calling Far Eastern children, uh, Wuhan, and uh, there's been lots of absolutely senseless bigotry. And in America, I've seen people are being beaten and killed. I don't know where in the world this is escalating to that point, but it's such mindless, mindless bigotry, isn't it? Like now there's a, you know, what about the fast acting British strain? Is that everybody here's fault? It's a ridiculous thing. It's a virus. So can we please just be vigilant for that? If you see people who are, who look um, East Asian, can you please just be aware that they may need more of your protection or for you to step in and be an ally and for kindness and compassion to rise up. I promised you and Lee I'd say that on this week's episode because it's really, really current. And be mindful of all ridiculous, terrible, soul-destroying bigotry. Don't look away. Look towards and step towards. Alison, can I ask, do you have anything to plug? Uh, just the Wheel of Misfortune podcast, available on BBC Sounds every week. We get amazing guests like Deborah Francis White. And uh, yeah, I, I really love doing it. I, I love making podcasts. Do you know, I was asked by The Guardian to recommend the funniest podcast. And I recommended you and they went, no, someone else has already recommended them. You can't have them. Like genuinely, it's the best thing out of lockdown. It's been horrible, and I just love doing it with my mate and stuff. So it's such a a nice thing, right. guys. And by the way, it was so much fun chatting to you. Like, really I good. Reinstate that. Like it's all good. God, like 
but it was so much fun and I learned so much and like thank you so much like it was just a lovely way to spend an evening totally uh, thank you very much great women yeah, yeah thank you very much really really appreciate it and uh i kind of want to say i'm sorry feminism's let you down but I yeah feel you it can has. say that yeah kind it of lets do down a that. lot of people and that's like why we should aim to do better no one's perfect and can i reiterate i do think sort of making people central and just making it regular a regular practice to platform and uh have Romani women as guests is very, very useful. So if you're listening to this, and I know a lot of media people listen to this, a lot of creators listen to this. So if you want to book any of these women, we will put their details in the show notes or you can email guiltyfeminist at gmail.com if you'd like an introduction, if you've got something relevant. And can you pay them, please? Don't ask them to do things for free. Yes. Because they do lots of stuff. Lots of their activism kind of, I assume, has to be free in some ways because it is sort of, provoked by oppression so if you've got any kind of budget at all or you can find some or go and just you know pay a man some less or something that'd be good um uh, yeah just can't try and keep it rolling because you've heard this and you've gone oh my god that's interesting and i didn't know and i had no idea and blah, blah 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 so the people that you talk to don't know either so talk to them share this podcast where you can tell other people about it just get it out there a little bit more and do think about it. If you're someone who publishes books or if you're somebody who has some kind of platform, even if it's only a Twitter account, but you could start retweeting Romani accounts, that would be something. Mm. You don't have to be running Channel 4. Um, yeah. But Ian Katz, if you're listening, it'd be great to have a documentary. Uh, Tom's tra- saying cut that out, but I'm saying don't. I've got no bridges to burn with Ian Katz. Uh, so Ian Katz, if you're listening, maybe commission some documentaries where Romani artists and filmmakers are in charge of that camera because I think it would be an interesting retort to what you've got. Right. And I think it would be seen as as controversial and edgy and all of those things Channel 4 is. I think it would be a great thing to do. So if you work in the docs department of Channel 4 or you are, in fact, Ian Katz, uh, please consider that. Um, consider that strongly. And I think you will agree that uh, all of these women would make brilliant uh, artists and documentarians or or maybe even commission something scripted about the Romani population. It's what changes things. Thank you very much. Um, Lolo. Woo. Woo. Lisa. Woo. 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 And to play us out with a song from her new album, it's Ryanite! You're so close, I can feel you breathing. Where did you go? Are you a dreaming? I didn't know you believing I'm full with the thought of you so full with all of you oh my lover I'm so hungry for you and I'm startled by the ache lay revenant
You're like clean water and salty air The mellow incense rises with prayer As night to the dawn I'm endlessly drawn Spittle and our very special guests Lola Jones and Lisa Smith with music from Ryan Knight. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge and produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer was Tom Solinsky for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Rachel Croft and Gina DCO and everyone who made this episode happen, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this other episode, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Lola, you have a poem for us. Yes. Um, so I first performed this at Dick and Abista, which means look, don't forget in Romanes. Um, it's a poem of mine that I performed there. Um, I wrote it after I had like a long bath and was kind of thinking about how to portray my feelings. Because like what Raya was saying, we have a very strong oral and ancestral history with like speaking and singing and, you know, poetry especially. And for me, it was a way that I could put across my feelings in a way that also my own family could understand. Because sometimes when I engage in politics, I'm very aware that I use language that the majority of my own family and people that I sit down with at dinner wouldn't understand. Um, and I think it's important to be as inclusive as possible in how we communicate and not making it more exclusive. So I'll read you my poem. Uh, it's called God Bless Us All. I spoke to God one evening on a summer's day, my prayers begging for the presence of a soul lost once with skin the colour of earth. A voice that once grumbled, travellers, not gypsies. The sour taste of persecution still ripe on her tongue. My knees bore to the ground for his grace and mercy, pleading forgiveness for the JLM JLM etched into my spine and the Opre Roma, entwining my speech as a lasting connection to a station that the divine now claimed. What had my familiar eyes carved by centuries of survival endured? Oppression didn't end in 1945 alongside the gallows of eugenics echoing a European corridor. It lives on with Becky down the road or Dave up the street, simply feeling uncomfortable at the thought of occupying the same space as the dreaded Pikes. It's the gorger on Tinder, lamenting how exotic it would be to taste the fruit of tarmac and tambourines. Because that would surely show how rebellious Chad could be to middle-class parents sipping Chardonnay on weekends. I will not be your Esmeralda, for unfortunately your tarot cards read oppressor and not lover. 
I implore the Lord Almighty to show our reflection in both the waters that provide the essence of existence and on the screens which provide us the empowerment of the day, because capitalising on our romanticism as folklore is but another addition to not seeing me as a person, as distant from it as Peter Pan, providing nothing but a fantasy experience, a token of accordions and velvet tracksuits to satisfy the assumptions of Wendy Darlings only to disappear at the vengeance of a real Captain Hook in the absence of fairy dust. My sanctuary is flocking to the bosom of the divine, because as a famous song once said, I thought we all were the children of God, and Lord have I given you my genesis, only to find my cries as soft as a psalm, against a wave of voices as jagged as the fences that caged us to our fates. I'm sorry, but you can't silence this undesirable with gas or weaponry. I open my eyes and blow out my incense. I unlock my phone. July 2018, Serbia. Parents call for segregation from Romani children in schools. July 2018. A one-year-old Romani baby is shot in the back with a compressed air weapon by police. 21st of July 2018, Slovakia. A Romani man is beaten into a coma whilst his attackers scream, we will kill you, gypsy scum. Oh, pray Roma. God bless us all. Lola Jones, everybody. Thank you so much. Um, It's a very powerful piece. Um, We really appreciate you sharing.